Welcome to Witness, a ministry of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Jackson, Mississippi. Join us in person for worship each Sunday at 9.30 a.m. For more information about Covenant, including discipleship and mission opportunities, visit us at www.covenantpresjackson.org. Almighty God, we thank you this morning for your word. It is a lamp unto our feet. It is a light unto our path because it is your word. We ask now you open our hearts and minds and plow up our old soul, Lord, that we could be open to your truth. Holy Spirit, illuminate your truth. Illuminate your word, we pray, for we know in it is life. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. In this text, in the New Testament in Matthew, Jesus is charging his disciples. Before they go out to preach, he gives them this charge. And of course, a charge is a sober, somber exhortation. It is a uh, instructions. And before they went out to preach and to minister for him, he was instructing them. It's, it's, it's a sober thing too. It's kind of like when the you've ever had teenage boys and you go on the trip, you think, finally, I think we can live, leave them, you know, while we go out of town. Well, you give them a charge, don't you, before you uh, leave the house, right? Because you want to make some things really clear, very important things. And that's what Jesus is doing. He's giving a charge to his disciples. And uh, the part we want to look at this morning of this longer charge is verse 28. And there are two parts to this. The first part is something where Jesus tells his disciples, Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Do not fear those that kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Now, they're about to go out, and I would imagine if I was a disciple, I would be thinking, okay, what do I need to look out for out there, you know? And then Jesus tells me, don't worry about the people that can kill your body. Now, I'll tell you, that would probably say, what? That would be hard to hear. It's one of those moments where you kind of think, where you think, is he serious? Well, he was serious. He said, do not fear those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. You see, Jesus was saying, yeah, they may physically kill you, but don't worry about them. Don't be afraid of them. Now, there is something powerful in that scripture. If the very person that can kill were not to be afraid of, our whole life can change. Jesus is saying to his disciples, don't fear those that can physically kill them. If he had said, hey, don't fear those that can hurt you or don't fear those that will call you names or mistreat you. Now, he said that in other places, but here he's kind of summing it up. He says, don't fear those that can physically kill you. And if you think about it, once you don't have a, you're not afraid of physical death, you're free. You're free to do exactly what God's called you to do and how he's called you to live. Don't fear those. And it falls under, if they mistreat you, they smear your reputation. Nothing is as bad as if they kill you physically, if you think about it. And he says, hey, don't, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Because fear, it brings bondage. What do you mean? Proverbs 29 speaks like this. It says, the fear of man will prove to be a snare or a trap. Fear is always bondage. 
but he that trusts in the Lord will be kept safe. So what does fear do? It brings bondage in our lives. It would bring bondage in our ministry. It would bring bondage in the way we live our lives. And the fear of man, the scripture speaks about throughout it. And it's a little broader than just being terrified or afraid. The fear of man also involves this idea of being controlled by other people or mastered by people or where we would worship people as more important than God. It also is this idea of where we put people as our trust. We trust them instead of God. The fear of man involves where we need people in our lives and people become what brings us joy and happiness and fulfillment. And so this idea of do not fear man and the fear of man in scripture has this idea of we're trusting others to bring us what we need in life. And there's bondage to that. Now, King Saul was an example in the Old Testament, somebody that feared man. You remember the story? Saul was commanded by the Lord through the prophet Samuel. He said, go down, destroy the Amalekites completely. And so what happened? He went down there. God gave him great victory. But Saul, the scripture says, and the army, they spared Agag, the king, and the best of the sheep and the best of the cattle, the fat calves and the lambs, everything that was good, they didn't destroy. So they didn't obey God. And Samuel comes to confront Saul, and what does he say to him? He says this. He challenges him. He says, you didn't do it. And Saul's reply, this is great. He said, I I was afraid of the people, so I gave in to them. I was afraid of the people. Now, if you look in the New Testament, you see this same idea of the Pharisees. Who did they care about? What was most important to them? John 12 tells us, Nevertheless, many of the authorities believed in Jesus, but for the but for fear, the Pharisees, they did not confess it. So some of these leaders believed in Jesus, right? But because they were afraid of what the Pharisees would do, they didn't confess him, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Now, another example in the New Testament was Peter. You remember a couple occasions You remember one was in Jesus' passion when he was afraid to be called a disciple. But it wasn't just Peter. All the disciples left him, save John. But here we see this idea of, and many times in this case, the context is ministry. It can have a broader application in all of our lives about fear. But Paul was a little different in a sense because he was a people, more of a people pleaser Uh, less of a people pleaser and more of a people lover. In Galatians, he speaks about this. He says, uh, for if I am now seeking the approval of man, I am not seeking the approval of God. Or if I'm trying to please man, I'm not trying to please God. And I would not be a servant of Christ. Peer pressure, people pleasing, loving the praise of people over that of God, depending on people for our joy, co-depending on people so that if somebody's not happy, we can't be happy. Giving people the power to make us happy or sad, relying on the praise of people to make us feel fulfilled, being slighted and angry when we don't get that praise, being overly worried about how we look or our appearance or being afraid that people won't accept it. The idea of keeping up with the Joneses because in that way we can look better and please people better and have a better reputation in the world. Letting others think about us 
what they say about us instead of what God says to give us peace. All of these things. And I'll tell you one other thing, shame. Shame. If in our past life or something we've done and it was wrong or it was bad and we're, we, we're ashamed of it and we walk in shame, whether we did something wrong or not, just feel like somebody might think something bad about us. That is not the gospel. That's not being free. That's bondage. And Jesus says, do not fear them. Do not fear them. If Jesus has freed us from the power and the penalty of sin, if he set us free, we have nothing to be ashamed of. But fear, different. It brings a snare. It's a trap. It's bondage. Jeremiah, we read, 17. Cursed is the man that trusts in man and makes, his, makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He's like a shrub in the desert, shall not see anything good to come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness and in uninhabited salt lands. You see, the fear of man will trap us and there's nothing good that comes from worrying about what people think. Now again, I there's a difference between worrying about what people think or caring about what people think and caring about people. There's a world of difference in those two. So the first part, what does Jesus say? Don't fear. They cannot kill the soul. And let me say this. If you think all there is is the material world, then you, that, you should be real worried about somebody killing you. But when you recognize and understand, and who better to know than Jesus, right? That this life, matter of fact, he told his disciples, whosoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Believing that can cause you to be used by God to change the world. Fear of death. Fear of man. The Christian has been set free from it. So the second thing, not only have no fear of man, but what does Jesus say? Rather, or instead, he tells them, fear God. Rather fear him who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell. He can destroy them both. He has power of the next life. Rather fear him. The body is not all there is. There is a heaven, there is a hell, there is a God in heaven, and he sent his only son that came to this earth to teach us how we should live and walk. And that son of God was telling his disciples, when you go out, realize, do not fear man, fear God. Now, let's ask a question. What is the fear of God? Well, there's a continuum. It's almost like the fear of God is sort of multifaceted, right? It starts for the unbeliever or those that have never put their faith in Christ. Uh, it's, it's, it's they, they, they come to a place where they recognize the justice of God and the judgment of God and the penalty that they deserve. And in that stage, that part, what is it? It's terror. It is. But as they move to the other side of the continuum over here, they still know that God's judgment and his justice, but they also know his holy love in Christ. And so as you move on that continuum, what happens? You're hiding from God to seeking and drawing near and submitting to God. I remember when the kids were growing up, and I, I know this is a, in, uh, it's not the best analogy. You can correct me later, right? So, but uh, you remember Chuck E. Cheese? I don't even know, they don't have that. Do they still have that? You know, when you go in Chuck E. Cheese, you know, and, uh, you know, the children, when they're real little, they go in there, and all of a sudden, here comes the big rat. Remember the rat? Anybody? Does any? 
I wonder if I should change my analogy right now. Okay, anyway, there was this big rat, and he was going, and, the, and our children, all, all, when they would they panic. It was terror. Ah, look at that big, strange other thing, you know? They panic. But after we kept ringing them and making them go over there, after a while, what happens? They got closer and closer, and they found out, oh, yeah, he's big, and he's different. But he's all right. It's almost that moving on the continuum. And almost in a, in, that's a very imperfect analogy, but the idea there is moving from the terror of the infinitely holy God, whose our sin, even one, is an infinite heinous crime that deserves an infinite punishment. Moving from that to what a friend we have in Jesus. Now, on that continuum, what does it move? Terror, dread, trembling, but then astonishment, awe, reverence, devotion, trust, worship. That's the continuum that we're called to walk and to live in. Now, how do we get the fear of the Lord? Very quickly, we learn it. How do you learn it? Deuteronomy 4, listen to what it says. It says, assemble the people before me so that they can hear my word, right? And learn to fear me as long as they live in the land. How does it come? Going to God's revelation of himself, special revelation that we have, which is his word. And as we see and hear and hear his word preached and read his word, we grow and we learn to fear the Lord. Because as you learn about him, you will learn to fear the Lord, to worship, to trust, to be devoted to him. Uh, Deuteronomy 17, there's also something that's important for leaders, especially political leaders. In, In this Deuteronomy, the Lord says, and when the king sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself in the book a book, a copy of the book of the law approved by the Levitical priests. And listen, verse 19 of Deuteronomy 17. And it shall be to him, and he shall read it all the days of his life. Why? That he may learn to fear the Lord his God by keeping all the words of this law and statutes and doing them. There's nothing more dangerous than a political leader that does not fear the Lord because there's nothing above their own sinful nature, and the more power they have with a sinful nature, the more destruction they will wreak. We get the fear of the Lord, we can learn it. We can learn it. And how do we learn it? By getting to know our God better. As a result of of fearing the Lord, what, what happens? Well, Jeremiah told us, we read it. Blessed is the man that trusts in man, trusts in the Lord. And I love this, this verse where it says, is the man who trusts in the Lord. Then the next it says, also, who tr- whose trust is the Lord. We, we trust in Christ, and we trust who he is, our Savior. Whose trust is the Lord, he's like the tree planted by waters. This sends out roots, does not fear when the heat comes, for its leaves remain green, and is not anxious in the year of drought for it does not cease to bear fruit. Well, the greatest example of one that didn't fear man and feared God is, of course, our Savior. Jesus didn't fear man. The Pharisees, he didn't fear. The Sadducees, he didn't fear. The Romans, he didn't fear. Those unfaithful disciples, he didn't fear. But what did he do? He willingly 
laid down his life. And he did what he told them. Don't fear those that can kill the body. Right? Jesus said to the religious leaders, woe to you when all people speak well of you. And I, I, you know, we'd, we'd be at Presbyterian. I remember <laughs> sometimes some of the brothers, you know, they'd say, yeah, every, everything's, everybody just, you know, I'm doing real good. Everybody just really likes me. I, I always thought about that scripture. Oh, woe to you when <laughs> everybody speaks well of you. Because so they did the false prophets. But anyway, it was a joke. It was a joke. But whoa, when everybody likes you, be careful. But Jesus, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And then he tells his disciples, what? Take up your cross and follow me. And he wasn't talking about put on a piece of jewelry. He was saying, be willing to die as I will. That's discipleship. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, that was one of his favorite quotes. Well, don't fear people. Fear God and love people. Love people. Oh, yes, people are important. And God's called us to that. And that's part of what it means to love God is to love people. But don't be afraid. Because all they can do is kill you. But God's got your future in his hands. He has control over the rest of the story. Let me just close with a story from Martin Luther and church history. Church history. 1521, Martin Luther, of the some say court sort of ignited the Reformation. And Martin Luther gave a speech when he was called before the Diet of Worms on April 18th. And uh, what had happened, he had been propagating and talking and raising questions about some of the corrupt things in the church. And he was preaching and teaching this and had written many things on it. And so, boy, when the powers that be heard, they called him in. And they called him in and they challenged him and they said, recant. Really didn't give him any chance to even defend any. Just said, you recant. Because he knew what had happened to other people that hadn't recanted. What had happened to them? Well, just look in church history. Burned at the stake. Decapitated. Hung. And sometimes, if they weren't able to do that, they dig up their bones and burn them. So Martin Luther, who loved the church, he loved the church enough to speak the truth to the church. And there he was, and they bring him in, and they say, you recant. And you know what he said? This, and that's my, my favorite part is he says, oh, let me think about it. It wasn't exact words, but so he left. And that night as he was thinking about what he was going to do, knowing it could be the difference between life and death. R.C. Sproul's book on faith alone, he's got page 55. He writes this. He records what Luther prayed that night. And uh, listen to what Luther prayed. Lord, where stayest thou? Oh, my God, where art thou? Come, come. I am ready to lay down my life for thy truth, patient as a lamb, for it is the cause of justice. It is thine. Oh, I will never separate myself from thee, neither now nor through eternity. And though this world with devils be filled, though my body, which is still the work of thy hand, should be slain, be stretched out upon the pavement, be cut to pieces, reduced to ashes, my soul is thine. Yes, I have assurance from thy word. My soul belongs to thee. 
it shall abide forever with thee. Amen. Oh God, help me. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to Witness, a ministry of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Jackson, Mississippi. 